to the Geekishly Toku Podcast. I am your host, the spookiest Sean. Yes, because it's that time of year again, folks. It's Halloween. Time for everyone to be just a little spooky. Maybe a little spooky, scary skeleton. No, no. Um, I am not joined today by anyone. Usually it's John doing the introductions, but as you can tell, I'm doing the introductions. John isn't here this week. He's been a little bit under the weather, and um, let's just say things aren't... He's not feeling too hot. He's been dealing with some shit, and uh, yeah. So, he's not here. I am. And I'm taking it over. No, I'm joking. This is just probably a one-time thing. Fingers crossed, because... I'm not a, the biggest fan of solo casting, but I'll try to make this work as best as I can. Um, so, to start things off today, we... This is episode 11. We have made it past the 10-episode mark, and we are working our way towards the next milestone, which is, I think, 25? Not entirely sure, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, this episode, I like to title it, um, The End of the Road, Time to Go Ghost which will make sense later in the second half of the show, but don't worry. So, we have some news. Not a lot, but there's some. Mostly Marvel, because on today, the day we're recording, uh, the 9th of October, it's a Friday, New York Comic Con's going on right now. You know what's going on in New York Comic Con? Marvel stuff. You know what Marvel stuff does? Causes people to go crazy. So, we have... We've got some articles, we've got some news, we've got some stuff, and I'm going to tackle it as soon as I kind of round up TV shows for the week, because as most of you know, Flash and Arrow, as well as iZombie, and a few other shows have premiered this week, their their second season, or their fourth season, or whatever, um, they had their season premieres. And I did not get around to seeing iZombie. I've been a little busy being a college student and all. So that seems to get in the way of a lot of things, like recording days. And that's why I'm recording on a Friday instead of a Thursday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Also because John hasn't been feeling too hot. So we've been trying to figure out if everything works. And I mean, he's feeling better now, but I'm still tackling this because... Might as well. Um, so, back to The Flash. The Flash premiered this past Tuesday with its second season, The Man Who Saved Central City. Uh, it sort of has a flashback to what happens at the end of season one, because season one kind of left us off at a cliffhanger, Barry going into the wormhole, black hole thingy-majigger, and yeah. So we figure out what happens there. And it's Flash Day. So they are celebrating the Flash, saving Central City. And the Flash is kind of down on himself. Barry is a little down on himself because he did not get his father out. One of his friends is now either dead or trapped in an alternate reality. And yeah, he's just not a happy boy. Um, so... This episode, we're introduced to some new villains, and 
um, who really aren't part of the sort of rogues gallery of metahumans from season one. They were all affected by the uh, particle accelerator. But these ones seem to not be only because, spoilers, they're from an alternate Earth. They, um, the Atom Smasher in this episode, he is the same, like, he's a different Earth's version of a guy that was dead in the episode. So that's how that figured out. And Barry eventually gets his, uh, his spirit's lifted again by his friends and colleagues. And he also does get to save his father, in fact. Um, at the end of the episode, he... Well, towards the end of the episode, he watches a video will from Harrison Wells or Eobard Thawne, a.k.a. the Reverse Flash from season one, confessing to killing his mom. So that gets Henry Allen out of prison. And Barry's all happy. Yay! So, yeah, he's just very happy. And at the end of the episode, we meet Jay Garrick. And for those of you who do know, and for those of you who don't, this is the original Flash, the Golden Age Flash from Earth 2. You know, he wears the, the helmet that, that uh, Hermes has, and he has, like, a, a long-sleeve shirt with a giant lightning bolt on it and wears jeans. Yeah, that kind of flash. But he's not the old fart we know and love from the comics or the TV shows or the cartoons and everything else. No, he's, he's only a little older than Barry. And because of this whole Earth 2 sort of thing, we hear the name Zoom. So, for those of you who follow The Flash, you know that Professor Zoom and Zoom and the Reverse Flash and Eobard Thawne and, like, there's a million different Reverse Flashes, so to speak. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what exactly this Zoom is. We don't know 100% for sure because it's the first episode of the season but it's looking to shape up to be fun, like last season, but a little more sort of um, structured because it's it knows what it's doing and it kind of has a general idea of what it wants to do. Then moving to the other half of Flaro, um, Arrow, season four, uh, premiered on Wednesday, Excuse me. Um, and it starts off with sort of what happens, what happened last time, and kind of recapping all of season three, and um, starts off with Oliver and Felicity in their new home being a domestic couple. What? What? Why? No, this isn't Oliver Queen. This is. No. Okay, but then Star City sort of goes to shit. Name was changed because Ray Palmer sort of vanished, so he's supposedly dead, but really he's probably the size of a atom because, you know, he's the atom. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? Uh, so 
things are getting crazy. Damien Dark has his little group of hive people. They're kind of domestic terrorists or whatever, causing havoc. And um, this prompts uh, Mag not Magneto. I mean, he does have a Magneto helmet. Uh, Diggle, uh, Diggle, Laurel, and Thea to sort of vigilante it up. And Diggle now has the Magneto helmet, which is why I almost said Magneto. And uh, <laughs> he just is like wearing bulletproof stuff and has a gun. Yep. Black Driver. The movie. No. And we have Laurel as Black Canary. Uh, we don't see her use her canary cry, unfortunately, this episode, which is kind of weird because it's a thing. It's there. I've seen it in action. And we have Thea as Speedy, but she's really trained to be Red Arrow. I'm sorry, uh, your boyfriend, you know, the one who sort of died last season, even though he didn't? Yeah, he's Red Arrow slash Arsenal. You're Speedy. Deal with it. And they can't handle this alone. They need Oliver back. So, after about 15 minutes of convincing, he rejoins the team, dons the suit, his new suit, which is even more combat ready, it has shoulder pads, and the arrow is no more, but instead we have the green arrow. Yes, that's right, people. Color is coming back. Um... <laughs> So, we handle that, but we are then introduced into the mysticism aspect of this season, because Damien Dark is able to sort of stop arrows, and stop stuff, and use magic and stuff like that, which kind of opens up the door for Zatanna, Zatara, Dr. Fate, a bunch of other magic users, but more importantly completely opens up the door for John Constantine in four weeks. I'm so excited about that, but that's not this episode. Um, we see him cut his hand open and drop blood into a thingy-majigger and give him power. So we'll see how that factors into it all, because I'm really intrigued on what that entails and what exactly that does and how long it lasts. Um, but, yeah, that's just, that's sort of a, a thing. And finishing off with the whole Flaro universe, we have Supergirl premiering in a few weeks, um, October 28th, I believe, and, uh, it's supposedly connected to the Flaro universe, but might not be. We're not entirely sure. CBS is actually open to crossovers, so that might be fun. Uh, I've already seen the pilot of Supergirl, but I don't want to like talk about it yet because I haven't seen it in a few months. And uh, I want to wait for the show to come out so that way John and I can talk about it because that might be another show I drag him into because the, the pilot was actually a little bit of fun. I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, the greatest show in the universe, but it's fun, and that's the important part. Um, there really isn't much news that I found on the DC front, other than the composer for the Deadpool movie is also co-produced or co-composing 
on Batman vs. Superman with Hans Zimmer. But I'll talk about that in a sec, because we're now in... Now I'm trudging into Marvel territory, and that's going to be a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Marvel stuff. We have... We have a guy who's in talks with the uh, Thor Ragnarok movie to direct it. Uh, Taika Waititi. He's done a few things, like uh, Flight of the Concords and What We Do in the Shadows. But there really isn't much else going on other than um, the article that I'm reading from the Marvel Report. Uh, it's the collective website of all things Marvel. Uh, I'm part of it. We, I review stuff, and I talk about stuff, and stuff, and stuff. But this article does mention that um, Jamie Alexander is currently starring on Blindspot, which I still need to get to because I've been busy. Um, and the film is slated to be released on July 28th in 2017, so that's two, two and a half years away. Or a year and a half. I don't know how long that is. Um, but it, it's some time away. So no worries on that. They'll find someone. Believe me. If anything, just get Hemsworth to... Not Hemsworth. Get Chris Evans to direct it. Um, then we also have a director for the first two episodes of Jessica Jones. Uh, S.J. Clarkson. Um who has directed episodes of Vinyl, Dig, and episodes of Orange is the New Black, another Netflix series. So, with just about a month away, um, with just about a month away from Je AKA Jessica Jones, or Jessica Jones premiere on Netflix, um, we finally get to learn a little bit more about the series. So, ever since her short-lived stint as a superhero ended in tragedy... Uh, Jessica Jones has been rebuilding her personal life and career as a hot-tempered, sardonic, badass private detective in Hell's Kitchen, New in Hell's Kitchen, New York City. Played by self-loathing and a wicked case of PTSD, Jessica battles demons from within and without using her extraordinary abilities as an unlikely champion for those in need, especially if they're willing to cut her a check. So, we know the show takes place in Hell's Kitchen, which could mean Daredevil crossovers... And we know that Luke Cage is a is on the cast for the show. I'm excited. It's going to be a little dark and crazy, so I'm not entirely sure if John's going to be watching it because he didn't get through that much of Daredevil. So it's just a little crazy with that. But speaking of Jessica Jones... We also get the first look at David Tennant's Kilgrave, or the Purple Man. And, um, let's see. It gives us a partial look at David Tennant's Kilgrave and how he's mentally tormenting our hero. Uh, Jessica's seen posting photos on the wall of her office in the middle of the night while Kilgrave's voice echoes in the background. I know your secrets. I know about your friends and your gifts, he says to her. But she leaves the office, and this is all in a teaser. And it ends with Kilgrave's face on a wall and his final and most haunting line, I know everything. So 
the purple man is sort of a just he bleeds into multiple different Marvel stories and he sort of takes control over people with his powers so we'll see how the MCU tackles it because there really isn't much else about that and it seems like it could be interesting uh, moving to movies remember what I said about uh, the Batman vs. Superman uh, composer guy yeah so he's directing, not directing, he's composing the, the score for the Deadpool movie. Um, let's see, it's uh, Junkie XL. He has done composing for um, Black Mass and Run All Night, as well as Mad Max Fury Road most recently. So if he's composing the music, and if the trailer, if the music in the trailer says anything... We might be getting, we might be getting a soundtrack similar to that of Guardians of the Galaxy, the movie, and that's gonna be awesome, because awesome music, awesome music. <laughs> um, we have, let's see, we do have some more movie news with the MCU as well, because just recently, Ant-Man 2 had been retitled to Ant-Man and the Wasp. And for those of you who don't know, the Wasp is sort of sort of a sidekick, but sort of a co-hero with Ant-Man, who's actually played by his wife, which is really interesting because I don't know if... It's at least in the comics, because that was Hank Pym. Uh, Hank Pym's Ant-Man. Since we have a different Ant-Man, the second one to be exact, um, not much is sure. I haven't actually seen the movie, so uh, me talking about this news really sort of feels weird. But because this movie has been sort of added to the list, a lot of the other MCU movies have been moved back, mainly Captain Marvel and Black Panther, which have both been shifted from their original times to, with Captain Marvel being moved to March of 2019, and Black Panther moving to February of 2018. And this should be an interesting film, especially after I watched the first one, because I haven't gotten around to it. So that's up next on my thing. Uh, and so, and then again, moving from the MCU back to Fox because of how I ordered these things, um, the X-Men Apocalypse synopsis has been revealed. Um, M&Ms and the X-Men franchise have released a press release detailing their partnership but the real surprise was the official synopsis of the upcoming X-Men Apocalypse. It reads as such. Since the dawn of civilization, he was worshipped as a god. Apocalypse, the first and most powerful mutant from Marvel's X-Men universe, amassed the powers of many other mutants, becoming immortal and invincible. Upon awakening after thousands of years, he is disillusioned with the world as he finds it and recruits a team of powerful mutants, including Magneto, played by Michael Fassbender, to cleanse 
mankind and create a new world order over which he will reign. As the fate of the Earth hangs in the balance, Raven, played by Jennifer Lawrence, with the help of Professor X, played by James McAvoy, must lead a team of young X-Men to stop their greatest nemesis and save mankind from complete destruction. And below the article, um, here on the Marvel Report, we have a, a press release picture of the M&M versions of Magneto and Storm. Magneto being the yellow M&M and the green M&M being Storm. Pretty cool. So, along with the, the list of cast members I've already said, we have Rose Byrne reprising or coming, uh, actually not reprising, uh, includes Rose Byrne as Moira McTaggart, Nicholas Holt as Beast, Evan Peters as Quicksilver, Josh Hellman as William Stryker, and newcomers to the X-Men franchise with Olivia Munn as Psylocke, Sophie Turner as Jean Grey, Alexandra Shipp as Storm, Cody Smith-McPhee as Nightcrawler, Ty Sheerden as Cyclops, and Oscar Isaac as the titular villain Apocalypse. Once I see Days of Futures Past, I would be even more excited for this movie. Yes, please, just constantly remind me to watch these movies because I'm falling a bit behind on some of these movies. Uh, but don't tell me to watch the new Fantastic Four movie because that won't be fun. I won't like you for that. So don't do that. And then, now that we're jumping up to animated stuff, um, which is sort of my territory on the website, uh, since New York Comic Con's going on right now, the Marvel Animation panel was, what, like four hours ago? It ended about four hours ago? At least when I'm recording this. Um... So we're getting season three of Avengers Assemble, which was announced earlier this year, but it's been titled as Ultron Revolution. And with the name Ultron just might be the villain, but they also have to deal with Baron Zemo, the Masters of Evil, Kang the Conqueror, but they have Black Panther, both Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel, and the Inhumans to help them out. And supposedly this might be setting up a Civil War adaption of uh, Avengers Assemble. So that might be interesting. But that's not happening until, I think, 2017. Or 2016, I'm not entirely sure. But Ultimate Spider-Man Season 4 has gotten its subtitle as well. Ultimate Spider-Man versus the Sinister, St Sinister Six. Same cast of people as before. Uh, the voice of Beast Boy slash Michelangelo from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles being Daniel Rand or Danny Rand. Drake Bell is Spider Man. Um, the two people from I'm in the Band is Nova and uh, uh, White Tiger, and Coulson as Principal Coulson. Uh, but it'll also include a mysterious new Scarlet Spider, which, for those of you who know Spider Man lore is a Spider-Man, part of, like, the Spider-Verse, which was sort of tackled in Season 3 with Web Warriors. Um, and with more animated TV news, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the TV show that I sort of review every week, has been renewed for a second season. 
after only being on the air for like two weeks, uh, which is awesome. They'll be tackling stuff with the Avengers, and uh, they'll just be tackling a lot of stuff. And it sort of continues this already established Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, but won't really interfere with the movie. And with that note, a week from the day I'm recording this, Cosmic Mix Volume 1, music from the show, will be released in on iTunes and stuff like that. Sort of like the first, sort of like with the movie, with the awesome mix Volume 1. So, fantastic music for the show. If you haven't seen the show, go watch it. And go buy the uh, the soundtrack, and um, yeah, it's it's a fun show. Don't get me wrong; it's it's a ton of fun. Um, and then one last little bit of animation sort of thing. Uh, there's a new feature length animated film coming out soon called Marvel Superhero Adventures: Frost Fight, starring the Avengers and a few guest stars that have yet to be announced. Battling up against Loki and Ymir, a frost giant, and both of them are in search of, get this, Santa's powers. That's right. They're going to take Christmas away. We can't let Loki take Christmas away. Come on. <laughs> this is, it's going to be a fun year for Marvel animation. It's going to be a fun time for Marvel TV and a fun time for Marvel movies over the next couple of years. But. Yeah, that should be really fun. And one last little thing, actually, that I forgot to mention. Uh, the Damage Control series being put into development by ABC. It's a, another Marvel comic book um, show about the people who clean up the superhero messes. So it's supposed to be like a 30-minute comedy, sort of shot in the style of The Office, and that could be something interesting. It really could be. Uh -huh. So that's enough with the news. If we go in, so I'm going to go into the, uh, um, the Marvel TV stuff. We've only really had, we've had two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the premiere and their second episode, as well as three episodes of Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm just going to quickly run over those because if you really want, you can go check out my reviews for Guardians of the Galaxy over on uh, the Marvel Report with some funny pictures and some screen caps and all this other fun jazz because that's what I do. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season premiere. We start off with this guy running through the city freaking out. Um, he melts things because melting things and uh, here we get to see Sky with her new haircut no explanation behind it um, and her Mac and Hunter sort of save him from this other government organization that's taking the Inhumans and dissecting them for scientific research um, yeah that's it's not pretty so he's sort of in stasis and Coulson meets up with uh, the lady who works with the, uh, the people who take the Inhumans in and dissect them. I don't even know if they have a name yet. And um, they kind of have a conversation and sort of, yeah, 
So then we go to where Fitz, what Fitz is doing, and he's trying to find a way to mess with the monument or the relic or whatever that giant block thing that ate Simmons last year was, or last season. And he's a total badass this episode. Um, he does things and hurts people and does what he needs to do. And then we find at the post credit scene that Simmons is on some strange planet in the middle of nowhere. So she's not dead, thank God. But this sort of carries over into episode two. Episode two deals with um, mainly finding Simmons, but also finding May and um, dealing with Ward. Because Ward's back. Ward's trying to reestablish Hydra. And that's not something we want to do. So, we find out that May is golfing with her dad, or just hanging out with her dad, because he's lonely. Um, and Hunter goes and investigates that and tries to get her to help him take down Ward, because Ward is being a douchebag. It's kind of fun, and kind of interesting, but we'll see where that goes from there. Um... And they, we figure out what makes the monument tick, because there's a flashback earlier on, and it sort of shows us how it works and what it does. And they find this place in a castle where they would do the deed of sending people into the portal. And after a bit, Fitz breaks it, because it's Fitz. And Sky, oh, Daisy, sorry, uses her... Um, tremor ability to sort of resonate the rock in such a way that it creates the portal. Fitz being Fitz dives headfirst in and um, saves Simmons. The monument crumbles, so there's no way to get back to that planet, but we have Simmons back. And that makes me really happy. Because I missed Simmons. And she's sort of in the same boat as Fitz was last season. She's sort of just scared and in a weird place, and Fitzsimmons is starting to be, look more and more like a ship than anything else, and I'm totally okay with that. Um, and then, oh, I forgot to mention, they ran it, they got the Asgardian guy out of jail, um, except he could have gotten himself out of jail um, to help him out with the whole um, inhuman rock thingy. If you don't remember the, um, the, uh, Asgardian guy was from that Thor episode of back in season one. Um, that Thor, not so Thor episode after Thor the Dark World. Um, sort of what damage control is going to be doing, actually. Huh. Weird thought. Hmm. But, yeah, that's pretty much it on the TV front for right now. I mean, there's talks about other shows coming up too, but if we now transition over to more of the animated stuff... I'm just going to give you a quick uh, quick review of overview of what Guardians of the Galaxy is doing. It's sort of expanding the universe in a sense that we now find out what Star-Lord is. He's not just human, he's something else. Thanos wants something that he has because it's a map to find something else, to find the Cosmic Seed. And if you have the Cosmic Seed, which might actually be an Infinity Gem... Um, you control life 
and uh, there's fart jokes, butt jokes, dog jokes with Cosmo the Space Dog, and Kevin Michael Richardson as every single Groot in existence. Um, Groot is still Groot, and uh, there's awesome music, and you should totally check it out because it's a lot of fun. And if you loved Ron Stoppable back in Kim Possible, well, you'll, you're in luck. Because Star-Lord's voice is voiced by Will Friedel, who was the voice of Ron Stoppable. He also was that brother in Boy Meets World, but that's not what I know him from. And he was also the voice of Deadpool in the Ultimate Deadpool episode of Ultimate Spider-Man. So that's a little awkward if Deadpool ever comes back. And meets with the Guardians of the Galaxy because that'll just be awkward, him talking to himself, but he already does that. <laughs> but it's a bit it's a bit fun. It's good half hour sort of action-y fun. Kinda like the movie, except more serialized and kind of you know, has a, more of a story, but kind of fun as well. Awesome music, as I said. Um the first episode, not episode zero, because episode, episode zero is sort of the origin story of all of the characters, but it uh, starts off with Hooked on a Feeling. Yeah, that's how you start a season off. And since it has a season two, I have more of a reason to watch it now, because, yes. Um, so, that's it for Marvel stuff, at least until something randomly pops up, but I doubt it. Um, and uh, last but not least, Doctor Who. So we've had two episodes happen since we last chit-chatted, and uh, one of them was the continuation of the premiere episode, and another one was a start of a two-parter. That's how the season's going to be divided up. It's going to be divided up into six two-part stories, and then a Christmas episode. So, the first episode was the premiere episode, and it dealt with, you know, Daleks being back and everything else, and Garo being back. But the second episode kind of dives more into it, and we find out that Clara and Missy aren't dead. Kind of obvious. But they did some... Uh, teleportation juju and yeah it's um it's a thing and yeah they then infiltrate the dalek um city and uh they find out that the sewers are also the dalek graveyard which is kind of scary kind of freaky and also plays an important part in the story later um, Clara then also is put into a Dalek suit, sort of reminiscent of Asylum of the Daleks, and, yeah, it's a little creepy, because I was scared that she would be stuck as a Dalek for the rest of the season, so, <laughs> it's a little crazy, but we then pan back to the doctor who is with Davros and at one point steals Davros's chair which was fun 
um, because you know it's the doctor. He does what he does what he wants, so it's not that much of an issue. Um, and we find out that the that Davros called the doctor there only so Davros could take the DNA of a Time Lord and sort of map it onto the Dalek. And now the Daleks have the ability to sort of regenerate, which for the Daleks had some good and bad. Good, they're harder to kill, but bad because all the dead Daleks in the sewers, yeah, they're angry. So they're alive again. Uh, oops, didn't see that coming now, did you, Davros? Uh, the Doctor ends up escaping. Clara gets out of the Dalek suit. And um, we see the Doctor go back in time and save little humanoid Davros from the weird hand-eyeball mind thingies. Because, honestly, that was the creepiest, creepiest shit ever. And I was not prepared for that. I really was not. And he still doesn't get his sonic screwdriver back, but that plays more important in the second episode. Um, the second episode, the start of the new story, where they're in an underground, like, or not underground, underwater base in a city that was once flooded, or that is still flooded. The TARDIS is acting all weird, so we have no idea what's really going on here. But it involves ghosts, or sort of something like ghosts, which is kind of weird. But um, after staring at this, this sort of uh, script on the wall. It's just like three little symbols. This ghost shows up and kills one of the people, and he becomes a ghost afterwards. And then they kill another person, and he becomes a ghost. And they only come out at night and because of reasons, and the only place they don't go into is the Faraday chamber. So, they trap the ghosts in the Faraday chamber after figuring out what to do, and the Doctor then goes back in time with a few people to sort of figure out what the hell happened. And then at the end of the episode, we see the Doctor as a ghost himself just floating about in the ocean. Kinda scary. I'm a little worried. And we'll figure out what happens tomorrow, actually. Or today, when this episode comes out. Or whenever. <laughs> because that's a thing. And, um... Yeah, that's pretty much everything I have for the normal geek stuff. And since I'm the only one here, I can start to branch out into a little bit more this week. Just sort of jibber-jabber of random nonsense because as I know it there hasn't really been any Star Wars news at least that I'm aware of and my girlfriend actually just brought me coffee so that was really cool which is why it seems kind of choppy at one point I'll fix it um, it's a white chocolate mocha it's really good uh, I'm really looking forward to Star Wars. I should be watching Star Wars Rebels, but I really just can't fit it into my schedule because of all the shows that I'm currently in, sort of, kind of watching. 
I still have to catch up with The Walking Dead, another show that John's not going to watch because it's bloody, gruesome, and, you know, everything he doesn't like in a TV show. <laughs> but uh, because it comes back on Sunday, and I'm three seasons behind, um, a story of my life, though, I'm like three seasons behind on Breaking Bad, I'm like um, almost three seasons behind on Game of Thrones, and uh, yeah, it's... I'll get to it eventually. I've got too much on my plate in terms of TV shows and Toku. And at some point in time, I'm going to watch Ultimate Spider-Man, Avengers Assemble, Hulk Agents of Smash, and a lot of other of the other Marvel animated stuff so I can start building more of a portfolio. But that's when I have time because at this moment, still really don't have time. And this is kind of sort of a last-minute adjustment. Um, but, yeah, I don't know... What else to talk about? Uh, have not watched this week's Limitless. Last week's Limitless was fun. Um, if you're watching the show, thank you. If you're not, why aren't you? Um, the same goes with the Minority Report. If you're not watching it, why aren't you? Um, I found out the other day that the lead actor uh, actually was on the Broadway production of Green Day's American Idiot, the musical. He was one of the uh, three main male leads, and uh, that's really exciting, actually. So, uh, I'm running out of things to talk about. Um, I don't know what I'm going to put in between just yet. Probably something relating to one of these shows that I talked about. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Wait, did I mention John Constantine earlier? I might have just barely referenced him, but four more weeks until he comes back, and that's going to be fun. And uh, magic and shenanigans like that. Because, yeah, things are still happening, and it's going to be an interesting couple of years for TV and movies. Because next year we've got Deadpool, um, Civil War, X-Men Apocalypse, uh, Batman vs. Superman... And a bunch, bunch more. And uh, this year's not even over yet. We still have Star Wars, of all things, to come along. So stick around for that. Um, and, yeah, stick around for Toku coming up, because there's going to be some nonsense going on there. So, uh, yeah, we'll be right back.
Hello and welcome back. Here we are in the Toku section of episode 11, where the um, where the title of the episode begins to make sense. It still probably won't make any sense to you guys. Just a thought. But let's start off with some news. I was rudely interrupted, so I had to re-record this part. I don't know how that happened. Um, I'm pretty sure my computer's haunted. But we do have some news, and we're going to start off with the Halloween special of Power Rangers Dino Charge, known as The Ghostest with the Mostest. Yep, it's going with that title. That's not this weekend, but it's the following weekend, in two weeks. So we get a bat monster that kidnaps a costumed ranger teen from a Halloween party and extracts memories that will allow her to impersonate them. Kendall must ask the teens questions, test questions, to identify the imposters before all the Energems are stolen. Basically a clip show. Probably. Um, <laughs> seems a little ridiculous, but it is what it is. Um, all of this is courtesy of Toku Nation, who got this from other sites as well. I just go to Toku Nation because they've got everything and anything Toku-related. So, um, yeah. It's going to be interesting. And in that same vein, let me see. Um, well... I know for a fact that next week's Dino Charge, or tomorrow's Dino Charge episode. Okay, so it would be next week. Yeah, it is next week's Dino Charge episode. That's the Halloween episode. Because tomorrow, or today's Dino Charge episode, is the Black Ranger episode. Okay, alright. We got that figured out. Um, Megazord Madness. Um, sort of like Morphin Madness. We're voting on Megazords this time. And as... Once again, um, anti-Tommy sentiments were going around for a while. Tommy Zords were losing by a margin of like 80% until today when Bandai sort of re-shifted everything. And now Tommy's winning everything. I, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on. I hate these things. Especially since this time around, we have the Turbo Cruiser or the Lightning Cruiser. You know that car that TJ got that he drove around in? Yeah. That is apparently a Megazord. No, it's not. It's not a Megazord. And uh, our friends over at Ranger Command, are uh, they started a movement, the Carrier Zord movement, because this is all to figure out, um, like, to uh, make Mix and Morph figures. And we really want them to make Mix and Morph figures of the Carrier Zords, because... Oh, uh, duh. That would be absolutely freaking hilarious if that happened. Um, but that's going on. Um, not all the Zords are in it, because they couldn't possibly have two or three Zords from every season, but they can have every single Dino Charge and MMPR Zord in it. Because reasons. Um, I'm continuing to drink the coffee that my girlfriend got me earlier, so... That's cool. Um, and to 
finish off the Power Ranger news, we now have a Pink Ranger for our Power Rangers movie. We finally have some casting news. It's really weird, um, but it's actually really cool. Um, Naomi Scott, uh, she is going to be playing the Pink Ranger. It's not confirmed if she's going to be Kim or not, but there's some recent news that sort of says otherwise that just kind of came out, which I want to pull up in a second because it's really not what I expected. That's for sure. Um, but Naomi Scott will be playing the Pink Ranger. Most recently, she was in the film The Martian with Matt Damon, and uh, she was on the TV series Terra Nova. So do with that what you will, because she's here. And yeah, um, I'm trying to find that post. Um, but... Yeah, I'm actually excited that we're getting casting news for Power Rangers in general, because um, this movie has gone dark, and it was weird for a little while, that nothing was kind of going on, but in relation to the movie, um, the um, according to New Intel... Um, this is from Collider.com. The director, Dean Israelite, won't be focusing on the the old proper property, but continuing the story in the long-running television show. In fact, it looks like it'll be set after Dino Charge. And there's rumors that the Dino Charge characters factor into the movie's opening, which is kind of weird. And it's supposed to be shooting in Vancouver from January to April of next year. And, well, let's see, uh, more, more boring stuff, and it'll open with a huge battle scene, and apparently Scorpina might be the ultimate villain in this movie, and not Rita or Zed, which is really weird because we never knew if she got hit by the z-wave energy because she was kind of there for 30 seconds and then poof gone and um well yeah this is interesting because it's just it just doesn't seem what we would have expected so it's just speculation at this point, though, so I don't know whether or not it's completely true or not, but Naomi Scott being the Power Ranger, being a pink, being the Pink Ranger, that's for sure. That's a thing. But all this other news just seems different. And if it goes a different way, then I'm totally down for it, because it's... Power Rangers, and I wanted to take a different take. So, now that we got through the movie stuff, let's talk about the episode. Um, episode 13, which was titled Sink or Swim. 
and it's spelled S Y N C, like synchronize or swim. I don't know what the meaning of it is, other than maybe having to relate to the bomb. But it opens up with the villains, and we have Wrench making a bomb. But he's sent with a villain who produces red farts to destroy the Rangers. The fuck? Really? And I thought I had enough fart jokes with Guardians of the Galaxy. Ugh. It's Dig Day at the museum. Indiana Jones references here and there with the hats and paleontology. And it looks like Kendall's a bit more of a dino fan than Tommy is, which is shocking. She really likes dinosaurs. Really, really, really likes dinosaurs. Um, Tyler gets a coat. And Shelby isn't too happy that he got it because she thinks it looks better on the mannequin than it does on him. It's also not red. It's more of a gold color. So that sort of made things just a little awkward. Um, and then a kid comes up to Tyler and says, hey, I like your truck. Um, excuse me, kid. That's not a truck. That's a Jeep. Not a truck. A Jeep. Um... Uh, Ivan rides in on horseback and in armor because, you know, Knight of Xandar. Uh, <laughs> Chase is impressed. Shelby is swooning. Like, she's so crushing on him. And Tyler is just, like, really, really unamused. I didn't get the villain's name for this episode, so I just called him Fartman. So Rich and Fartman plant the bomb but forget to arm it because they're villains. And they're not the smartest. Um, Kendall shoes the tourists. I was about to say terrorists. That would have been horrible. Oh, boy. Um, and uh, in the background, we see um, Yoshi as Koda put a, like a metal bucket on his head, kind of like what, um, kind of like a helmet that Ivan wears, which is really funny. Once again, Yoshi stealing the show. And um, the... Him sort Ivan sort of arriving in the way he does begins the sort of episode long rivalry between him and Tyler and Shelby and Ivan go off and go shopping. Um, and then we pan over to where the fossil day is or dig day and Ivan and Shelby show up with Ivan in the same coat Tyler's wearing and pulling it off way better. Might I, might I, uh, add in and, uh, Tyler is a little piece of shit right now. And he gets to um, Ivan to place his jacket on the puddle. And every he's like, come on, guys, everyone come in. Let the Knight of Xandar let you over this puddle. And totally ruins the jacket. Fartman farts to provide cover to set the timer on the bomb. And in the aftermath of the fart, Tyler and Ivan accidentally fight, ruining... Tyler's jacket by ripping the sleeve off. So now both of them don't have a jacket. <laughs> um, Wrench and Fartman run away, but Wrench sort of trips up Fartman and leaves in the in the pod, and leaves Fartman to be beaten up by the Rangers. Um, they morph after Tyler and Ivan argue a bit more, and um, 
fighting continues on. And then just halfway through the fight, Ivan and Tyler go, you know what? We should work together like a team and be in sync with each other. Ah, 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 episode title. <laughs> um, then they find out about the bomb because Fartman kind of spoils it. Um, and then he grows big. Zords summoned and combined, so we get the basic Dino Charge Megazord and the um, Terrazord flying through. Um, Monster farts again because, you know, that's what he does. And um, the, Terra, the Terrazord um, combines with the Dino Charge Megazord, making the Dino Charge Megazord Tristego Terra form formation, which is cool. And the others try to move the bomb before Sledge hits the giant mega button, and it grows in size. Monster's destroyed. The Megazord comes in, picks up the bomb, throws it back at Sledge, because apparently 45 seconds is enough for a Megazord to fly into space. Um, yeah. Um, and then at the end of the episode, uh, Tyler has a gift for Shelby. Well, not a gift for Shelby. Shelby thinks it's a gift for her. But really, it's a gift for Ivan, and Ivan, in return, gives him fancy food while um, everyone else gets a grilled cheese. And Chase thought the sandwich for, was for himself, and then it's like, here you go, Tyler, and it like, passes in front of Chase. And Chase is just like, oh, like Coda that one time with the cookie. Um, the jacket from earlier, a new one, and selfie time. So they take, uh, Tyler and Ivan take a selfie, then Ivan does the duck face, Coda's in the background of the selfie, and then they, Tyler and Ivan do the duck face, and Coda's more in the selfie, and I think he's doing a duck face too, because it's Coda. <laughs> we love him. Um, and yeah, so next week we get a Chase-centric episode, and then the Halloween, or not next week, tomorrow... We get the Chase episode and then the Halloween special. I'm actually excited for tomorrow's episode because Chase is actually one of my favorite characters. And this episode, we didn't even get a mention of Hotshot. Like him being a quote-unquote Hotshot. So, yeah. That's, that's the American Toku news and stuff. So, moving on from there, we've got the actual toku news so let's check that out as soon as i pull it all up because it's sort of jumbled about okay so with ninja they we got scans last week of their new mecha that was introduced this week um it's a six-piece mecha so it's all of them together and it has all their symbols on it and it looks like it has a revolver chamber on the front of it because why not um let's see then it was also announced that we're getting a uh, Sentai and Metal Hero special episode with Ninja. Um, they're going to be teaming up with another ninja, but the ninja Metal Hero Jiraiya? 
Um, and it will be played by his original actor, Takumi... Su I can't pronounce his last name. If only John were here to pronounce the name for me. Oh, well. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be another ninja special because, you know, ninjas. Um, should be interesting how they sort of focus this into the series. But... Yeah, so from current Sentai to new Sentai, we have announcement of a new, the newest Sentai, Dobutsu Sentai Juoger, which implies that it's going to be an animal theme. Remember Dobutsu Sentai Go Busters having more of an animal theme because it was a V-Cinema? Yeah, so the trademark has been revealed... Uh, not much else is known about it, other than it's been revealed. So, cool. And, um... Let's see. Uh, and concluding out the Drive stuff, actually, we have um, news of a V-Cinema for Common Rider Chaser. So, um... Yeah, it... Much like the Gaim Guidance for Gaim, um, this is going to elaborate more on Chaser's stuff, and it will feature a re-release of the Brake Gunner and an unrevealed Shift Car, but not much else is known about this other than it's a Chaser-centric story. So it's supposed to be out um, sometime next year, so after the crossover movie which we won't see until about May. Um, but, yeah, that does seem fairly intriguing. And the shift car kind of looks like the Lupin viral core that came with the Lupin gunner, so who knows what that will actually be. And then we also have the Drive and Boost Movie War this December. And it's going to be Common uh, Rider versus Common Rider, Ghost and Drive, Super Movie War Genesis. Um, so, um, if you go to the movie and you're in Japan and you pre-order, uh, you get a pair of minifigures based on both Drive and Ghost, a fanny pack resembling the Ghost Driver, along with Chase's Treasures, which contains a signal chaser and a copy of chase's driver's license um rumor has it that it's a destroyed version of the signal uh chaser and the bloodied version of the uh, chase's driver's license which is heartbreaking and too soon way too soon because i miss chase i really do <laughs> But, and then the last piece of Common Rider news is uh, ghost news. Um, magazine scans featuring the Robin icon, the Condor phone, the Gon Gon saber, and like them forming together, the Condor phone and the Gon Gon saber to form a bow and arrow weapon like Robin Hood or some other green hooded um, archer. 
that we know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, last but certainly not least, we get the first in-show usage of the Iguana Ghost Striker. Um, it's created by fusing Ghost's machine Ghost Striker motorcycle, which you see in the first episode, with what appears to be a pirate ship called Captain Ghost. So it looks like an iguana, and there's a bow and arrow on the mask for the Robin form, and we get more pictures of Spectre, because Spectre. And Spectre's a bike as well. Cool. So, on to the Toku Recap. The other part of the Toku Recap. Um, I originally wasn't going to watch Ninja this time around, but since I had the time today, I got around to doing it. So, um, the Ninjas are training. They are learning their advanced um, mix jutsus or ninpos or jutsu ninpo, jutsu ninpo, um, and uh, Nagi sends everyone to a bath, like makes them hallucinate that they're in a bath. But then Nagi's turned into food, and then we pan over to the villains. Huimon revives yet another ninja, who's a badger. It shows off the cog shurikens, and it makes me wonder what those are for still. Um, Kasumi helps Nagi figure things out, because he doesn't feel, you know, too happy with himself, because things are uh, not that great. He's getting his butt handed to him all the freaking time. And, um, then Nagi and Kasumi get attacked. Um, the yokai removes something from Kasumi. Turns out it's her, like, special ability or whatever. And her special ability is smarts. So she becomes dumb. The evil diva lady, Gangetsu's wife, keeps calling the badger a raccoon. And he keeps going... I'm not a raccoon. I'm a badger. And that happens the entire episode. Um, then they play Ninja Keep Away with Kasumi's smartness. Kasumi's still able to fight, but isn't that smart with her fighting, and she ends up falling down a pitfall and then gets captured. Um, Yakumo's tricked because um, the badger yokai looks like Kasumi, but then steals his his specialty, which is magic. He then tries to use magic to get out, and his wand just turns into a flower. Takaharu then gets his specialty taken away, so he's just unmotivated. Like that one time he didn't want to be a ninja, and instead wanted to be a baseball player, or just didn't want to be a ninja, and was trying to find a real job. Yeah, he just loses all motivation to do anything. He removes Kenji's after Kenji gets the bag after masquerading as one of the other ninjas. Um, and Kenji's potential is his wacky way of speaking Japanese. So he's speaking English for all of like three seconds. Because 
<laughs> Why not? Um, Nagi then soccer flip kicks the um, Kasumi's uh, potential or specialty, but it instead is it, it misses Kasumi and fuses with Takaharu. And now Takaharu's smart for all of like five minutes. Um, Taka loses, Takaharu loses his smarts in part of a plan where Nagi fuses himself with a boat to take the bag. Everyone then gets their potentials and specialties back. They fight, and Nagi and Takaharu do the finishing blow. But the weird part about that is Nagi shoots out the uh, the tongue of the, um, the ribbit repeater, or the frog gun, and uses it as a sword. Um, the big battle's fast and over, and then another cog is is sent to uh, Kiwimon, and the set is complete. Kiwimon then activates her ninja ally, or his ninja ally machine, Kyubi, and just decimates all the other mechs. Lion Hao needs to be repaired, and all the other ninja allies are sort of out of commission, except for maybe Rodeo Maru. And then we go on to the next episode. Um, the bracelet doesn't work. So Takaharu is kind of like, ah, Gramps shows up and fights uh, Kyuemon because Kyuemon's about to kill them. Um, Kyuemon's hammer becomes a sword. They argue, they fight, and Kyuemon's about to kill everything. And then Gramps is like, nope. Um, angel light teleportation. And then they begin making new ninja allies, all six of them. Um, Raccoon Yokai is still alive because he uses ninja powers to survive. Everyone else shows up to help. Especially after Rodeomaru, like, uh, Takaharu begins to reason a bit and takes uh, Nagi and Kenji and goes into the fight. Rodeomaru is still able to fight, so he's fighting off the weird giant minions. And everyone else shows up, and uh, the monster grows up in size. Um, Takaharu um, then fuses himself to his like little mini ninja ally and gives it life, and now it's a ninja ally, and everyone else begins fusing. They combine into Gekietsu Dayo, which is a mega hot combination because Takaharu is flaming, and not just because he's Takaharu. They fight QB kick his ass. Kiwimon destroys the badger beforehand, though, because he's about to attack, and they're about to do a final attack, and then he just kind of explodes and dies. And then they get... And then they fire themselves out of the revolver thing in the mech that I was talking about earlier to do a final slash onto the robot, and we're not entirely sure if Kiwimon is dead. So... I didn't look at the previews for this weekend's episode um, because I had more important things to get to. Like what this episode title is. The End of the Road for Drive. The ultimate wrap-up episode and Neo Shade from the beginning shows up once again. And we are now dealing with the ghost incident. Um, it's the last case with special crimes for Shinosuke. And we have a flashback. 
the team transformation one last time with mock chaser and drive um it was nice to see chaser one last time um and it's all they they're running after neo shade because they have the icon that was stolen from them a while back according to the plot and these ghosts are after it as well um and they he beats up the neo shade leader and then fights drive and then common rider ghost just shows up and kicks butt and the icon turns out to be the newton icon uh rena and q rest to the rescue with the intel because um the neo shade leader runs off with it and they have a tracking device on it so that that helps um but all the while throughout this episode shinosuke hallucinates about mr belt like he's there giving him advice even though he's in the deep underground under the drive pit um and then they get to the next location where they find where the um the ringleader is and gen and Sh uh genpachi and shinosuke investigate but gen gives him a uh, pep talk beforehand saying hey things aren't going to be the way they used to be You're, you don't have the belt anymore but just do your best and be yourself and um we find out that touching the ghost icon or the newton icon allows um normal people to see the ghosts and ghost saves them once again and is badass at doing so because it's ghost and um shinosuke thinks he met ghost before which yes technically yes and um he goes where like ghost lets him keep the icon because it might help him get back his common rider powers but when we go to the final like the climax of it um shinosuke doesn't use it like the belt reappears on him but he's like no i have to do this on my own i can't rely on the belt and he saves kiriko and then we get to the end credits where shinosuke gets transferred to first division and we find out that kiriko does in fact get married to shinosuke in the future the end credits with the common rider drive theme song and i cried like a little bitch i was really sad um and last but not least it's time to go ghost and that's why the title is titled that we ghost number one episode one it opens up on a guy summoning icons to make certain monsters look stronger to make them into like like remember the um the invest from gaim and how when they ate the, the Helheim fruit or a lock seed, they became like stronger and more defined. Or the Roidmudes, when they gained a personality, they gained like a evolved form. It's kind of like that. And little Takaru goes to find his dying dad. And the dying dad gives him a sword handle and says something inspirational. But then we find that Takaru's just sleeping in his lab. And we meet the two other main characters, Akari and Onari. Uh, Akari is one of his friends. She 
is the science person, doesn't believe in ghosts or anything like that. And Onari is basically Bon and Kamen Rider. Definitely believes in ghosts, needs to learn how to shut up, and, um, yeah. We get a list, we get a history lesson on Musashi, who is important later on in the episode. Um, ghosts are causing chaos, no one can see it, so cars are being split in two, and amusement park rides are being thrown across the city, and no one knows what's going on. Um... Takaru gets a package from his dad that was sent 10 years ago, and it's just a blank icon. Um, he runs off to a forest and fights the two ghosts that are terrorizing the city because they're looking for the icon, and he dies. The icon activates, and he's in like this pocket dimension. He doesn't want to die, and he meets up with the sage guy who Takaru thinks was God at first and helps him get his life back because the icon activates and shows like the ghost soul and says hey your soul's in that now so now you got to go fight these other ghosts because um that's your destiny bro and um sage's voice changes a couple times which is weird it changes pitches and it's really confusing and magically puts on the driver and when he's revived with air quotes his body sort of disintegrates and reassembles itself in a spectral form so no one can see him and he learns how to do his henshin and we that's when we first see like the base ghost suit with no coat or anything on it and the coat's just like flying around trying to attach to him and he's scared he doesn't want it to attach to him and it attaches to him, and he becomes Ghost. Fights the monsters off, and kills one of them using his sword in Omega Drive mode. Or was it the... No, it was the Rider Kick. He did the Omega Drive Rider Kick. And then it pans over to him chasing the other guy down to the beach. He's right... Like, Takaru is not transformed. He's riding his dirt bike. Transforms on the dirt bike. Throw back to original Kamen Rider... And the bike itself transforms with him, which is really cool. Um, and then the other ghost guy brings up a bunch more, like, minions. And Takaru's kind of overwhelmed. And he's holding on to his, um, the Musashi blade hilt. And it starts glowing, so he... Symbol power? Yeah, symbol power draws onto it. And it turns into the Musashi... Um, coat, and then fuses with his driver, creates the Musashi icon, he transforms into Musashi, and easily just destroys, just destroys all the minions, and the Omega Slash destroys just the monster, and it is just, it was a fun fight to watch. And then we meet the actual villains of the series who have no name, we have this old guy with really bad teeth, and like this pretty boy. I think it's a guy. I don't know. Um, and then Takaru tries to show himself to his friends and can only do so in short bursts for a little while because it's all based on emotions and his... Akari doesn't believe that he's a ghost and Onari's like, oh my god, he's a ghost, oh my god! And freaks out. 
And then we he goes back into the lab because apparently ghosts can make contact with real-world objects in this show. So he takes off his shoes, and his shoes become corporeal. He can open doors and touch stuff and do stuff. And we find that the sage sets up shop in the lab, telling him he has 99 days to find the other 14 icons. And such draws Ghost's premiere episode to an end. Um, it really sucks not having John here to talk about it, because um, I really wanted to get his thoughts on this. But it's going to be a fun season, especially since he already has... He already has one of the 15 that he needs. And this is just the first episode. So he already has two forms. I can't wait to see what else is in store because it's going to get interesting. I really hope it does. I really hope that it starts off strong and stays strong. But that's basically it for this week. Um... Yeah, this episode's actually a little... It's actually quite shorter than most normal episodes because John isn't here. So I don't have his banter and the tangents that I normally do. So we're looking at... This is basically about an hour. A little over an hour. So um, thank you all for tuning in. And um, Hopefully in two weeks, John will be back, because this just feels really weird to me, and I don't want to do this regularly. Um, but maybe I'll get some Decker Ranger in sometime soon, because the ten years after Raw just went up. And, um, yeah, until next time, I've been the Spookiest Sean, and you can find me at SnarkySean on Twitter, snarky-sean.tumblr.com, and basically anywhere else under that name. You can find the podcast on Twitter, at GeekTokuPod. Um, you can find John on Twitter as well, at FooMixalot. He changed his Twitter handle because Funukamioka was a little hard to pronounce. Um, and, um, yeah, you can, find the, you can find the podcast on Blogspot as well, geektokupod.blogspot.com, and there we have all the episodes up and yeah if you like this give us a good rating on itunes maybe leave us a review um it just shows us that people are actually listening to this so yeah hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and uh see you in two weeks bye i'm going ghost Strange machine was designed to view a world unseen. He's gonna catch them all because he's Danny Phantom. When it didn't quite work, his folks, they just quit. But then Danny took a look inside of it. There was a great big flash of things just changed. His molecules got all rearranged. When he first woke up, he realized he had snow white hair and glowing green eyes. He could walk through walls, disappear, and fly. He was much more unique than the other guy. And it was then that he knew what he had to do. He had to stop all the ghosts that were coming through. He's here to fight for me and you. He's gonna catch them all because he's Danny Phantom. 
Some old trees.